Do you love your dog and yet find yourself frustrated with them sometimes? Have you ever wanted to find a judgment-free space where you could share your struggles with raising a dog? This is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Heart of the Dog podcast, a community of dog lovers working toward helping each other understand their furry friends a little better. Together with guidance from experts in their field, we will explore any and all topics, big and small. Today on Heart of the Dog. Morgan Lamella is a trainer based in the Central Valley of California. She's been training dogs since she was young. Morgan has worked in corporate dog training with positive reinforcement training methods and now owns her own balanced training business, Alpine Canine. She's a dog owner, lover, and trainer. Please welcome Morgan Lamella. Hi, everyone, and thank you, Mary, for having me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here today. I want to start off with some questions to help the audience get to know you better. Where did your love of dogs start? So I've owned dogs ever since before I can even remember. My parents were always good about giving in to me when I wanted a puppy, but as the puppy got older and more annoying, they would always rehome them. We went through many dogs as I was growing up, but as a kid I was sad about it, but there was nothing I could really ever do. Shortly after I turned 10, our family rescue dog got hit on the highway, and even though my parents said no more dogs, I was able to sucker them into a cute golden retriever puppy I found in a newspaper ad. She was the sweetest little thing, and I eventually settled on the name Izzy. I knew that if I wanted to keep this one, I had to train her. She ended up being the best dog, never needed a leash, she didn't run away if she got out of the gate, she knew many, many tricks, etc. She was horribly backyard bred and had health problems starting at about a year old and only lived to be about eight. But a few years after she passed, I was ready to get another golden or golden mix, so I was checking Craigslist and shelter websites constantly. I ended up adopting a cute golden-looking mix, and I named him Henry, who then sparked my interest for reactive and aggressive dog training because he ended up being very untrusting around other dogs. After I got him, I started training at a pet store that was strictly positive reinforcement only, which I soon found out does not work for every dog, let alone a dog who's too focused on causing damage to another dog or a person to even take treats. So I started doing research and following a lot of balance trainers and starting my own business, and now here we are. Oh my gosh, I love that story. Okay, so you mentioned your dog, Henry, whom I love, <laughs> so the listeners need to know, how many dogs do you currently have? What are their names, ages, and breeds? So we currently have three boys and a beautiful female foster dog who's looking for her forever home. Henry, as I mentioned before, is a golden-looking mix. Although after doing his DNA, I found out he's only 4% golden. He's mainly German Shepherd, followed by Australian Cuddle Dog, American Eskimo, Toy Poodle, then Golden Border Collie and Ozzy. He's roughly about 10 years old now, if I follow what I think is his brother on his DNA panel. We've had Henry for about four years now. And then we got a Doberman Australian Shepherd mix puppy in the June of 2021. His name is Oliver, or Ollie for short. Ollie is actually the brother to Mary's dog, Jubilee. And my mother-in-law owns her, their brother, who, so they all see each other from time to time. Now that Henry is retired, Ollie comes with me to all of my classes and even some of my privates. He also helps out with the board and trains we have at the house, whether it's teaching them socialization, being a distraction, or just playing with them to tire them out. Ollie is a very well-rounded dog. He loves most people and dogs, but can sense if I'm uncomfortable around certain individuals and will give a healthy correction to dogs if they're being just too annoying. He is an amazing dog. It honestly amazes me each day how smart he really is. We have just recently adopted our third dog, Ruger, which is a roughly a two-year-old German Shepherd that is the definition of drama. 
Obedience-wise, he is already really good, but his separation anxiety is through the roof. In the beginning, he broke out of his wire crate twice, and we had to invest in an impact crate, which has been great for his sanity and for ours. He loves going on car rides, hikes, and loves his brother Ollie. We have a great trio, and I'm sure at some point we will be adding more. Our foster dog is a beautiful female pity mix. Her name at the shelter gave her is Cookie, so we've been calling her that still. She walks well on a leash, and she loves running, playing, and hiking. She lets you easily bathe her and clip her nails. She's potty trained and even crate trained. Her only flaw is that she doesn't get along with other dogs. Her and her litter mate sister used to fight all the time when they were brought into the pound, so she is very untrusting around other dogs. She would do best as the only dog in an active household. If anyone is interested in meeting this sweet angel, feel free to contact Mary so she can send you my way. Way, or stay tuned to hear about how you can get a hold of me at the end of the podcast. Yes, yes, yes. I know we have listeners all over the U.S., also in Germany and Ireland. So if anyone is interested in adopting an adorable pit bull who is as sweet as her name is, please reach out. Okay, my next question. If you could give any piece of advice to a new dog owner, what would it be? So if you haven't gotten your new dog yet and are just thinking about adding one to your life, do your research. Figure out what breeds and temperaments fit your lifestyle. Just because it's cute or cool looking doesn't necessarily mean you'll like the temperaments behind them. For example, I would love an Irish wolfhound sometime in the future, but they just wouldn't physically fit in our living situation right now. A lot of people get doodles and then don't realize they need vigorous, regular grooming. Genetics will also play a huge role in dog behavior. If you don't like dogs being in your personal bubble 110% of the time, don't get a Doberman because they will never leave you alone. If you don't like howling, barking, or screaming, don't get a husky. If you don't like super mouthy dogs, don't get a shepherd or a Belgian Malinois. They were bred to bite. If you want a specific breed, find an ethical breeder that health tests and genuinely cares about the breed and the well-being of each individual puppy. If you aren't looking for specifics, check out the shelters and pounds in your area. There's thousands of dogs constantly being euthanized for the main fact of shelters just being too overcrowded. Now that you've gotten your puppy or older dog, you want to start training the day you bring them home. Find a good trainer in your area to help build the bond between you and your new pup and to start building a solid foundation so you can enjoy your new family member forever. Awesome advice. And I love that you're working on bringing awareness to the shelter issue. It breaks my heart to know that these dogs are being put down simply because there's no room for them. Okay, last warm-up question. What is your favorite way to motivate your dogs to work? So each dog is different in terms of what motivates them and what doesn't. For example, my older dog, Henry, only wants to work for really good high-value treats and physical affection. I would never be able to use toys to get him to work because he flat-out refuses to play with any toy. Ollie, on the other hand, will literally work for anything from food to toys to a blade of grass. If you've got a new pup and haven't introduced them to treats yet, I find using their kibble is the best motivator. It gets them to work for you, and it builds a fantastic bond between owner and dog. Dogs do not work for free, so you will always need to find something to motivate them, but that does not mean using hot dogs and treats forever. Ollie and Henry both enjoy peeing on any bush or any tree that they can find, so when they are walking good or come back when I call them, I can release them back into peeing everywhere. They enjoy it, and I don't have to constantly have treats with me. Find what your dog enjoys and use that for its motivation. I love that. Yeah, Storm doesn't really care about food, and but she'll do anything for a Frisbee or my love. Jubilee is just like Ollie. She'll do anything for almost any type of reward. Thanks for playing the warm-up game. Um, now I want to start to transition into training topics. So how long did you work using the positive reinforcement training methods? 
So I worked at a positive reinforcement only pet store for about a year. I was probably about six months in when I realized this doesn't work for every dog, but I still use positive reinforcement, but telling your dog no is just as important as telling your dog yes. Positive reinforcement comes in many forms from treating your dog when they did a command you asked them to do to as simple as throwing the toy again because they brought it back. Awesome. What were some of the challenges you saw with using positive reinforcement only? So not every dog is as motivated as others. Some dogs may be too fearful, reactive, aggressive, or even overstimulated to be able to work for something. Sometimes you have to start extremely slow and correct behaviors you don't like first. Once they realize that the certain trigger isn't as much of a threat, then they can start easing up and being able to take treats or work with a toy. Positive reinforcement is still 100% needed. If you only ever tell your dog no and never yes, then they will be confused as to what they can and can't do and therefore can become frustrated, making training even more difficult. Okay. What were the benefits you saw when using positive reinforcement only? Like we talked about before, dogs need to work for something. Teaching them good behaviors by rewarding them is the best and most efficient way to do it. If you had a 9-to-5 job, constantly got yelled at, and never received a paycheck, would you go back? Dogs need to be rewarded for the good things they do, especially if you want to keep reinforcing those good behaviors. Hence the the name positive reinforcement. Got it. (laughs) Um, Okay, so how long have you been using balance training? I started learning about balance training a few months into training at the pet store that I worked at. Once I started my own business at the end of 2020, I haven't gone back into strictly positive reinforcement only. Balance training works, and it's better for the well-being of dogs. Got it. What is a challenge you see when using balance training? Honestly, the main challenge of balance training is the stigma behind it. Most people don't like or flat-out refuse to tell their dogs no. Most behavioral problems directly stem from the owners, although genetics can still play a role here as well. If I had kids and they were coloring on the walls with Sharpie, I'm not just going to laugh it off and give them a lollipop for their artwork. I'm going to teach them that it's an unacceptable behavior. Corrections are very natural in the entirety of this world. Domesticated dogs correct each other, wolves correct each other, cats, the list goes on and on. And what are the benefits you see when using balance training? The benefit is now you're using completely clear communication with your dog. You've told him what you like and dislike and what you expect or don't expect from him. Training goes a lot smoother for you and your pup. I love that. So what are some stigmas or tough conversations that you commonly encounter with balance training? Well, I guess I kind of already answered this one already. (laughs) Most people are uncomfortable with telling their dogs no, but the other issue that I've noticed a lot is that people are scared of tools. Tools are our aid to communicate to these dogs in a language that they understand. Dogs don't understand the full human language. If a dog is screaming their head off and you tell them to shut up or be quiet, you're only pairing the barking to those words in which the dog will think that shut up means to bark. However, just like with anything on this planet, tools can be used incorrectly, so find a good, reputable, balanced trainer in your area to help you learn about and use these amazing devices. Yeah, I love the tools that I use with my girls. They really help me give them the life that I want to give them. What is the biggest difference between positive reinforcement and balance training that you see? When people hear balance training, most people automatically assume that means abuse and intense training, when in reality the two of them somewhat go hand in hand. You cannot have balance training without positive reinforcement, otherwise it wouldn't be labeled as balanced. 
Balance training is using all four necessary quadrants of training, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, and negative punishment. When all four quadrants are used, training goes smoother for both owners and their dogs. If you would like to learn more about the four quadrants, Mary went into great detail about each one in last week's podcast, so if you haven't already checked it out, go give that one a listen. Okay, so we've talked about the pros and the cons um, and some of the stigma around balance training and the differences between positive reinforcement only and balance training. What is one thing you would say to anyone who is hesitant to try balance training? I always tell people, don't be nervous into trying something new, especially if what you're already trying isn't working out for you or for the dog. You can't know how great something is if you never try. Morgan, thank you so much for your knowledge and your thoughtful advice. I really feel like we've given the listeners some great feedback and food for thought. So now we have some questions from our listeners, and I think we can both give our thoughts on these. So we'll start with the first one. Uh, When training your dog, do you recommend a clicker or a verbal mark? Um... I will always recommend what works for your lifestyle and your dog's learning style. If you try a clicker and it works, use it. If they listen to verbal markers more than that, do that. For me personally, when I was training Storm, I forgot the clicker so much that I just stopped using it. So my personal preference is verbal marking. Morgan? I agree. If it's working for the dog, use it. I also always forgot the clicker, but I tend to always have my vocal cords. The issue with clicker training is that if you forget it, you now have no way of marking those good behaviors. That's an excellent point. Um, Okay, so our next question is, how often should you be training your dog? I recommend at least a cumulative hour a day. That doesn't have to be all at once. It can be spread out throughout the day. And I personally love finding new ways to incorporate training into the day. My current favorite way of training with the girls is using their toys during park time to keep their drive and engagement up. So before I throw the toy, I will ask them to do a series of things that I've built up to. It started as simply asking for a sit before throwing the toy. Morgan? I do agree with you, Mary, at doing at least an hour a day. Some breeds may need even more depending on their drive and energy levels. Also, doing little things like making them wait for their food each meal or waiting at the door every time before going outside are also small ways to train that make huge differences in their behavior. Yeah, threshold training is super, super important and so easy to do once you understand what you're trying to do. Um, So our last question is, when do you call it a day of training? I think what this person is asking is, how do you know when to stop a training session? And my answer to that is when your dog is no longer interested. Morgan actually taught me, you always want to end on a positive note. So if your dog is disengaged or distracted, then try re-engaging them once more to get a successful completion on whatever you're working on in that session, and then create them to give them a bit of a break. In the book, The Art of Training Your Dog by the Monks of New Skeet, they recommend creating your dog for at least 20 minutes after a training session to let the dog decompress, and they state that this will help them remember what you've worked on better too. Morgan? Yes, ending on a positive note is so, so important. If you always give up when the dog disengages, they will just learn that they don't have to work very hard for you, and the amount of time that they do work gets shorter and shorter with each session. Creating after training is a fabulous suggestion, as well as playing with your dog after your training session. Playing afterwards helps teach the dog that training is fun. 
If your child does their homework at night and immediately is told to go to bed afterwards, they will get to a point where they don't want to do their homework. If the child completes the homework and then gets ice cream or gets to play a game, etc., they will be more inclined and happy to do their homework. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and experiences today, Morgan. Please tell the listeners where they can find you. Thank you so much for having me on here, Mary. You guys can find me on Instagram at alpinek9 underscore, or you can email me at alpinek9dogtraining at gmail.com. You can also text me or call me at 209-303-5486. Great. Please go check out Morgan's socials and reach out to her for all of your training needs if you're in her area. Thank you so much for joining us this week, and I will see you all on the next episode. Thanks for being with us this week. If you'd like to keep up with the latest, please follow us on Instagram at Heart of the Dog Podcast. If you'd like to get involved in the community, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash heart of the dog podcast. And if you have any questions you'd like answered or topic suggestions, please email heart of the dog pod at gmail.com. Please check out the show notes for any resources that may have sparked your interest. And finally, if you enjoy this podcast as much as you enjoy your dogs, Please rate and review so that other members of the pack can find us. And please share with a friend or loved one.